Welcome to another Sunday session, the NRL.com podcast, where we take you back through all eight games from the weekend. My name's Chris Kennedy. With me, as always, is Kenny Scott. Our special guest tonight is NRL.com gun reporter Alicia Newton. Thank you both for being here. Well, thanks, CK. That was, uh, that was a nice <laughs> intro there. <laughs> yeah, never. Yeah, uh, I never get. I never get like intros like that. What's going on? Is it just? <laughs> I know you're getting I'm a big around, head I'm kick. around all the time, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, you know what? It is great to be here. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Um, I Nothing I myself... could say could dent your mood at the moment, Kenny Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a great Sunday. Yeah, as a Tigers fan, you'll be very happy about the first game we get to talk about, 34-6, to the West Tigers against the Bulldogs. Um, why don't you take us through your initial thoughts of this one? Yeah, well, I mean, the the idea of this game was like it was it was just a, a ball. I was a ball of anxiety beforehand, as I think most Tigers were. Like we were speaking about it all fair, and we've spoken about it before. The Tigers have a terrible habit of losing the games that they're supposed to win, um, and what the, the stakes were sort of upped for this one as well, because Michael Mogai came out and said, if we want to, if we're if we think we're the real deal and we should be in the finals, then we have to win this game. So. You put in um, history of us generally losing those kind of games and then pressure from the coach. I don't know. It, it was a recipe for potential disaster, but came out really well. So I think they the, the Tigers started the first 15 minutes was pretty shaky. Like there was a lot of a lot of drop ball and um, they coughed up possession pretty easily. But after that, uh, they really really straightened up. And I thought uh, the attack was really exciting. Moffalim had a fan like an amazing game. Like he just gets better and better. Um, but the grit in defence was really pleasing as well. So I think all in all, it was a a pretty good a pretty good result. Yeah, I mean Harry Grant for me just has changed that the side completely. Um, you know, he just keeps getting better and better. What is he in his fourth or fifth game now? And um, it's going to be hard for Tigers fans to let him go at the end of the year. I don't know what 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 the Storm you know have in mind for him. Like I guess if Cameron Smith stays on board for another year, can he stay on? I mean, how, um, you don't want to lose him, do you, Kenny? At this point. Well, the trouble with that is Tigers fans and me included, we were all talking, well, you know, Cameron Smith's definitely going to play on for another year. So we've all just assumed, therefore, that means the Tigers get to retain Harry Grant. But what it will mean is he'll get taken to market by his manager because he's not. I don't think he's contracted. The clause doesn't say if he, uh, if, if Cameron Smith stays on, um, he therefore gets a contract with the Tigers. It just means he's not contracted to the Storm anymore. So he'll go to market for a lot of money. I mean, we, we'll, I'm sure we'll be desperate to retain him if that situation comes up, but it's no guarantee. Uh, but you're right, Harry Grant, he is just, um, it's amazing how just one player can change change the way a team, um, like, I don't know, behaves or, like, looks and feels. Like, the, his, his movement, like, his runs out of dummy half are so good. His defence is amazing. Uh, his passing game, like, his service to the halves, to Reynolds especially, is um, mm. is just, it just, it's changed the team. And the way, yeah, the way they're moving about the park is just really um, exciting, I think, for a, uh, um, a Harden fan like me. There was a play with about seven seconds to go, I think it was. There was a loose ball. Um, Harry Grant, someone had to run back and get it. Harry Grant zoomed for this ball. It's 34 to 6 with seconds left. Swoops on the ball, picks it up at pace, brushes off the first tackler and then looks for an offload. I'm like, the game's over, mate. And he's just like, no, I'm going to make something happen here. Like, that's the sort of player you want in your your team. Yeah, and there's no doubt that Madge, like Madge is picked the right players in each position. He copped a bit about the Benji um, omission and it, it's paying off. Like even even that left edge with Brooks and, and Moses Mbai, you know, very, very left side dominating um, and the right side is clicking. So I think Madge has found the right balance there with Adam Dewey at the back and 
yeah, I wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the year we'd have no Benji in, in, in the top 17. But, um, yeah, it's just how well the, the players are going at the moment. Pushes the Tigers up to sixth at the end of the round. Um, what? Leaves, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, leaves the Dogs alone at the bottom, the only team with just a solitary win um, just below Brisbane um, with two wins. They did lose uh, Will Hopawati right at the start of the match with a, an ankle injury, probably looking at a few weeks for him, depending on how bad that syndesmosis tear is. Um Alicia, what are we thinking with the dogs? It's obviously, you know, Dean Pay. we've all said, inherited a bit of a mess and he's, he's doing his best, but um, it's not been inspiring stuff. Yeah, they just look flat and you just don't know where the points are coming from. And I've, I've said that, I feel like I've said it for a few years now. It um, just doesn't matter which player goes in. You know, Kieran Foran has his days and then, you know, other days they're just they're just struggling to find points. I don't know where it comes from. You know, Luke Thompson's arrival might, you know, help a little bit up front, but they're just getting dominated in nearly every area, and um, it's tough. I feel for all the all the players, and especially Dean, because as you say, he has inherited this team, and there's just no real short term fix at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tough times at the moment. Anyway, let's move on to the Seagulls and the Sharks. Uh, result I did not see coming. I, I guess I could have um, accepted that Sharks were a chance, but I did not see them putting 40 on Manly, even without uh, Tommy Travojevic. Um, the best they played all year for me by a, a long stretch. Um, Kenny, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, so I don't mean to brag, but I totally picked this result. But no, I definitely not Cronulla with a 40-point score. But we discussed it last week. Manly without without Tom Trebojevic is just a really it's a different team. Um, he is he's easily the most influential player on a team in, uh, in like this season. I think you take him out and it, it just it just changes the way they they operate. You saw like DCE. I think he was sort of um, he didn't really look like he knew what he was supposed to do just because he's so used to having Turbo around all the time. Um, and I think that probably I mean that that showed in the score. It's just it was a different team to that that like last week we had really solid, dirty, gritty, determined manly. And this week it just didn't seem to have that same kind of intensity. Like it was like, you know, from the couch, it looked like it was cold and wet and they probably were looking forward to going home. Um, once, once it started to get a little bit difficult, which is, um, I'm not saying that's all because turbo wasn't there. Um, but, and then couple that with Cronulla who have not been playing, sorry, have not been playing as bad as they have, uh, as they are entitled to. Like their squad's a lot better than the results they've been having. And I think it was about time they decided they, they had a game where they stood up. And um, this was it. I thought Moylan was really, really good. Uh, Moylan's one of those players where I don't notice him much, but in this game, I noticed him all the time. And um, maybe that's because I like, you know, confirmation bias, I was looking for him. But some of his passes were excellent. I thought his defensive game was really, was really solid as well. Um, and yeah, I picked it, surprising. Alicia, yeah, I don't, yeah, sorry, sorry, second. I was saying I had a look at the stats after the game, and he only got ten carries, Moylan, for sixty odd runs. So it's not like he, you know, put in a lot of work rate himself. But it was more just um, he picked his timing, you know, set up a couple of tries, and he took the pressure off off Johnson and and Chad Townsend, which which is what they've sort of lacked um, to start the year. Obviously, Johnson's copped a bit of slack. Um, throughout you know the start so um yeah i mean those three put in easily their best performances as a spine together um there's no coincidence that with moylan back that, that they're also found a balance there what do you think of garrick at fullback i was a bit surprised that brendan elliott who's sort of been the 
the stand-in in the past when Tommy has been out was moved to centre and Garrick, who hasn't played fullback before at NRL level, was back there. It seemed like he was caught out of position a few times. Yeah, he was. And, um, you know, it was interesting, as you say, that that, that move happened. Um, Elliot played really, really well last year when he was replacing Turbo. Um, whether that happens again next week, I'm not too sure. But um, I expect to probably see Ruben go back to, to the wing. I think that was a failed experiment on this one. Yeah, a bit of a remiss fire from uh, Desi, the mad scientist. Um, Sharks really good, though. I thought their middles were fantastic. Fafita looked a, a little bit fitter, better for the run, having come back from injury recently. And guys like Talakai and Ueli and, and Hunt, the lesser lights, really determined through the middle. And then Sean Johnson, um, really good to see him with the ball on a string, those um, curling grubber kicks and the long passes mm. and everything else paying off for him. Um, anyway, let's skip ahead to uh, Saturday night. Uh, Leash, were you at this one, the Eels and the Raiders? Sure was. What a blockbuster. Where do we start? Well, I'll start with I had my match report done <laughs> in the last five minutes with a Parramatta, little Parramatta paragraph of, you know, bounce back after last week's loss to the Roosters and, uh, yeah, threw that up in the air when uh, when that second try was scored by Canberra. So, but no, I want to finish it. The game probably deserved it. It was so drama-filled and, yeah, I mean, I remember at halftime, everyone in the media box just looked at each other and said, where do we begin on that first half, let <laughs> alone the second? So, yeah, it was a cracker. I don't... Do can you, you shed about? any light on what was wrong with uh, Corey Horsburgh? Because he was quite emotional and it's not something that we usually see from players. Like, what was he actually upset about? Do we know? Was it just the fact that he picked up an injury and potentially was faced with some time on the sidelines? Or was it sort of, you know, Ryan Madison getting over the top of him in a couple of tackles? Or what was the issue there? Yeah, like, uh, I've asked a few people over the past 24 hours because I wanted to know myself. did write a story on it earlier today with um, some Soliola quotes on him. Um, from what I could gather in that first 30, he was he was being targeted by that Parramatta pack, you know, obviously legally, but any time he had the ball, they were on him straight away. So I think he was a little bit rattled by that. And then uh, I think it was Campbell Gillard and Paulo or Nikore got him real good and he had a bit of a bloodied nose. Um, that was about five or ten minutes before he actually came off with that with that leg injury. So I think what's happened in the actual tackle is he, he's assumed that his leg's been twisted or something's happened when he when he's went down with that uh, injury when Alvaro landed on his leg. And, um, yeah, he just tried to take it into his own hands. And, yeah, um, it was it was bizarre. Like obviously, you hope he's okay. And, um yeah, but it was just bizarre. And then the crowd, obviously, it was only a small crowd, but they were giving it to him. And if anything, those small crowds kind of make it a bit worse because <laughs> you can, can actually hear, hear what they're saying. saying. Yeah, it echoes. So he was just flipping the bird and Brett White was trying to calm him down and one thing after another. You could, yeah, he's limp, limping off and, yeah, had everything. So, yeah, Soliola um, last night just said, you know, it's, it's he's a bit of a work in progress in that regard. He wears his heart on his sleeve and... Um, you know, he just, he just, some players handle it, handle things differently, and, and he did that. So, yeah, it was just one of many things that happened last night. Dramas for uh, the Eels with Mitch Moses going down with a, a calf injury. I thought fantastic signs that they were actually able to um, come back and, and put some points on and, and then go on to win the game with Moses out. It'll be a big loss in the coming weeks, which uh, just looking at their draw, researching Cowboys, uh, Knights were still in fifth. Uh, Manly, who are also a top eight team, Tigers now in sixth, and then um, 
bit of a gap there until the Bulldogs. So four sort of games they you'd probably tip them in if Moses was playing, but a bit more challenging without him will uh, will test their depth. But the the way that Gutherson and um, and Dylan Brown were able to lift in Moses' absence uh, a good sign. Kenny, any uh, recollections from this one that stuck out to you? I'd, what is it about Parramatta? All of Parramatta's recent games have just been epic. And is that because... Well, actually, no. What is it? Why? Have they just been um, just coincidentally against other teams that are doing really well? Or is it something about Parramatta, Parramatta games have extra meaning behind them? I don't know what it is, but this game, it just it felt huge. There was nobody there, uh, like crowd-wise, because uh, apart from the handful that were giving it to Horsburgh, it just felt like it felt like every, fi- every Par- Par- Parramatta's game, Parramatta game recently has felt like a finals game. It's, it's mm. quite amazing. I'd be interested to know if that has an effect on the team, because I think all their games feel like they would have taken like an extra toll on them especially this one because it was golden point um and how the coach would sort of deal with that or how senior players would deal with that as well but uh i thought it was just like from a fan's point of view it was just so much fun to watch it was it was hostile but in a really good way not in a like grubby all-in brawl kind of way it just felt like there was heat in a few things um and the fact that it went into golden point was just like what a, what a great way to spend uh, a saturday night it was, it was yeah, they're playing really fast at the moment, Parramatta. They look fit and they look fast. Their forwards are, are angry and then hitting the ball at speed. I thought Regan Campbell-Gillard, arguably his best game in what's been a really resurgent year for him. Junior Paulo, Madison Lane, even with no Brown, guys like Nyakore and Oregon Kafusi just really lifted. Um, anyway, they get cracking on and um, one of the upsets of the round, the Broncos downed um, by a convincing margin by the Titans, 30 points to 12. Um, they're fifth straight loss now I think they're in a, a massive hole um, Alicia did you see this one coming uh, no I tipped the Broncos just thinking surely they have to bounce back at some stage um, I was actually on my way to the Eels game during this game so I didn't see a whole lot of it but um, watched the highlights this morning and uh, yeah like some some of the efforts uh, one, one that really stood out for me and I know Anthony Milford's cops a lot you know in the past couple of weeks but um I think it was Anthony Don's try where he just he thought it was a knock on and just stood there and if he would have just played you know played until the whistle and actually helped cover um, helped cover um, is it new or oh, their fullback sorry um, is he new yeah 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 if if they if, if he'd done that like he, he could have avoided that try so um, just little things like little effort areas like that I think you know go a long way and and there's been a bit made about you know the Broncos players being really really happy after the game and having a laugh with the with the opposition which that does my head in for any team you know to see yeah. that sort of stuff after a loss like so yeah they're they're in trouble at the moment the Bronx. Which Kenny is, is a um, is a professionally aggrieved fan what are your thoughts as a fan when you see something like that? Oh I mean like I just got to Broncos fans like you just got to cop a sweet. Sometimes your team can't be good all the time. Sometimes you've got to go have a, a period of, you know, like you call it, call it a rebuild, call it a downturn, whatever. It's, it's about, it's your turn, you know, like I, I, I want the Broncos to be successful, but you can, what goes up has to come down and you just need to start rebuilding. Stick with it. I think the, the board has come out and um, there was reports today that they didn't say the coach has the support of the board because that means the coach is going to get fired. They said, <laughs> Seabolt's got a contract here and we're not going to terminate that and that's that. And there's a there's like a you know, quote-unquote five-year plan um, and that's what it is and it's going to take a bit of turnover. 
um, some players are going to have to get used to the, the new way of coaching um, and, you know, the, the coach and the staff is going to have to find ways to get the best out of the players that they've currently got. And that's just the way it is. Right now, we're just in, in the thick of it. It's just, this is the, this is the darkest, the day is darkest before the dawn. Um, and, you know, sunrise is on the horizon. Just stick with it. Mm. But, you know, we've, we've all seen it before. Broncos fans, this is probably just their first real dose of medicine. Yeah, I mean, the only disappointing thing for me was that we're not talking about the Titans because they were really impressive. They um, they dug in and played well. Justin Holbrook, second um, win as a coach. You know, Anthony Don, a few magical plays. You know, Ash Taylor's sort of getting a bit of his mojo back. Malaki Fodawaka playing absolutely unbelievable in the front row. Um, you know, Corey Thompson trying his little heart out at fullback. Like, some good signs for the Titans. Yeah, and that's sort of the way it goes, doesn't it? Where the storyline is is where everyone's attention turns to and given where the Titans finished last year, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is is the Broncos are the biggest story. But, yeah, 100% right, CK, that they're, they're playing, you know, most weeks um, above their weight and, and if they keep putting in efforts like that, then they will upset a few more teams we saw it against the Tigers a few weeks ago. Sorry, Kenny, um, to bring that up one up again. Um, but, yeah, they will. They'll keep... They'll keep shocking a few, and that's what you want at this point because they're going through a bit of change themselves over the next year or two. So, um, yeah, Holbrook's doing some good things. We're starting to see some good signs. Anyway, moving on to the Cowboys and the Newcastle Knights. Leisha, I'll start with you being a uh, a Knights gal. Um, I know... Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't see this one coming. The Cowboys were so diabolical in that first half last week, and it was almost a complete, you know flip of the script um it was a very similar first half but they're on the right side of it compared to what they um suffered at the, the tigers last week and the knights have you know, been talking for weeks about this inform pack and how much they've been dominating other teams and they just got steamrolled through the middle and it was i didn't see it coming at all yeah they were they were pretty dreadful and again you know we kind of turn our focus straight away to to them whereas the cowboys were were amazing that you know mm. their best opening 40 minutes all year and they responded big time after their loss to the Tigers last week. Um, but, yeah, the Knights just, they had no answers. It just looked like that they they weren't, they didn't want to be there, you know, in that first 40. And um, Adam O'Brien, you know, said earlier in the week, you know, we're not as good as what, what everyone else thinks we are at this point. Um, and I think he saw a few signs against Brisbane to suggest that. They probably didn't put Brisbane away as well as what they could have. And... Um, I think when Hamiso dropped that ball in the first minute of the game, I think they thought possibly, oh, this is going to be an easy day out. Whereas if anything, it probably backfired against them. And yeah, but to their credit, and we've seen it this year, they have bounced back in the second half. They've won most of their second halves. Um, but yeah, it was all over pretty much at, at halftime. Very disappointing. Didn't Adam O'Brien come out and say that um, he attributes some of the loss to the fact that he gave the players time off that week, um, and that disrupted, like, disrupted their routine and then and and their attitude, and that he thinks that that um, flowed through into the way they they sort of play the game. Um, um, I find that uh, that probably was a bit telling because you're right; it did, it did look like that first forty minutes they were just a completely different team, the the exact opposite of the team that they were last week, where they absolutely their forwards just dominated. Um, they were dominated in like almost an embarrassing way that and and hats off to the Cowboys as well because they completely turned around like how do you bounce back from leaking 34 points in a half you do you you score 26 points in your next in your next half and that's 
and that's how it goes. So it was really a really puzzling game. Um, but the second half was almost the opposite as well because Newcastle had the ascendancy for most of that second half. Had they not not succumbed such a huge lead at the beginning of the game, they probably would have won. Because um, I think the Cowboys really lost control of it towards the end. Um, but yeah, it was it was an odd one. Yeah. I think for Adam O'Brien, like. You know, he's inherited this team and as much as it is a, it's a great team being put together, there's a lot of players in that team that, you know, aren't used to to winning when they're supposed to. And, and um, there's a few habits in that team that have, have occurred over the past couple of years that Knights fans are pretty used to, to those sort of performances, unfortunately. So I think it's a matter of, you know, this happening and Adam O'Brien trying to get it out of them in similar vein to what Michael Maguire's trying to do at the Tigers. It's just a, it's, it's something he has to address. And that for, first 40 is a prime example of that. One thing I did enjoy was uh, young Jakey Clifford, who was a guest on this very podcast only a couple of weeks ago, having uh, arguably the game of his career. Absolutely um, amazing in that first half. Um, steamrolled through for a try. His kicks were all on point. He had a, a wonderful 40 minutes of footy and, um, bit of a decision for Paul Green as to what happens when Michael Morgan's back as to whether um, Clifford drops back out of the team and Drinkwater keeps the spot or if uh, if it's Clifford's time now to uh, to stay up in first grade because he was magnificent. Anyway, moving on to Friday night, the Roosters and the Dragons. Now, I was um, I was at Cogra waiting for the Storm and Warriors um, press conferences to start because I was covering that game and I was watching the game on my phone and uh, every time I checked, another Roosters player had gone off with a season-ending injury. Just absolute high drama. Um, Alicia, what did you make of all this? Yeah, I mean, a lot came out of it about the the, the situation around the ground and um, whether that contributed um, yeah, as soon as I saw Victor go down, I just thought, oh, that, that does not look good. And, and interesting to see how both players reacted in those situations. Obviously, they, they probably did it both a bit differently, but it ended up being the same um, same result for them injury-wise. So, yeah, just overshadowed another great performance by the Roosters. They just dug in and, and overcame that because it would mentally be upsetting, you know, to see two mates go down. Um, but, yeah, they're just a classy RC team, we know that, and um, they just keep rolling on, don't they? Yeah, um, can I can I confess something to you guys? I was actually not really looking forward to watching this game because I was just like, oh, here we go, another rooster, another inevitable Roosters win. But it was, uh, it turned out to be far more interesting than I expected it, with all the like the you know the high drama of players going down, and I guess the grittiness that the game descended into, rather than the the, the tri fest that I thought it was going to be. Uh, but you're right. Like it says, it is. It's really showing. It's becoming just to me so like so obvious the gap between the Roosters and everyone else because they they didn't have the world's best player in James Tedesco on the field. They lost Victor Radley, which it turns out like uh, I was unaware of this, but I think he he contributes a lot to their attacking game because they seem to they seem to really lose a bit of sharpness when he left the field. But they still managed to go on and win the game. Um, in a pretty convincing way. Like Joseph Marno at the back was a, like was brilliant. Like laying on flick passes for Jared Weir Hargrave to score a try. Like, what's going on? These guys can't be stopped. They're just the, they're easily the best team. Um, they'll the, stop the competition. I want to get off. Like there's 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 nowhere else to go. It was um, another great performance. Uh, a different type of performance, but still another great performance from the high flying Roosters team. Luke Keery as well. He just gets better with every yeah. single game. Um, he's just in. He's he's always been a great player, but this year he just seems to have taken it to another level. He is he is in amazing form. 
Yeah, just uh, they do look unstoppable. I think injuries is the only thing that can stop them, and even even losing two for the season in a game doesn't seem to slow them down too much. Dragons certainly had a chance to win that game. They were up 12-10 in the second half against an understrength team and just dropped their bundle errors and poor plays and really didn't give themselves the best chance, invited the Roosters back into it. And, of course, if you do that to the Roosters, they're, uh, they're going to punish you. Um, moving on to the early Friday game, the one that I was at, um, Storm and the Warriors. I just, every time the Warriors play, I want them to do well. We all, we've talked every week about the sacrifices they're making and how tough they're doing it. And, you know, their families back in uh, New Zealand and the injuries that they're dealing with and the, um, everything else. And they started so well that, um, Ken Mamalo almost scored and got bundled um, over the, the sideline and then Patrick Herbert almost scored, but he just bounced it in the grounding and then all of a sudden Matt O'Carr makes a line break, Storm goes 70 metres and score and they're up and Warriors' heads drop and then things get worse and they get a bit worse and a bit worse and next thing you know, they're coming off at 50 to 6. Um, Alicia, what did you kind of make of all this? It was just relentless from Melbourne. Yeah, it was tough to watch. Um, and, and we said it, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the Warriors, a lot's going to be made about them, like, staying in Australia. And if they don't win a few games and, and things start to, to turn, it's going to make them, you know, make it a lot harder for them to to enjoy their time over here and keep their spirits up. So, I mean, I, I don't even think Melbourne, like, hit their straps completely in that match. It just look like they were in cruise control for most of obviously they lost Cameron Munster to that knee injury as well um yeah it's hard to see where the Warriors go from here um yeah it's tough I don't I've got no answers for them at this point they just gotta hang in there and Todd Payton god bless him he's you know tough initiation for that first the first game (laughs) but um yeah I mean the only way's up for them at the moment I haven't had a lot to do with Todd Payton, but I was in that, obviously, the press conference that he gave afterwards, and I was quite impressed. Like, he sort of said, yes, there's guys missing their families, and it's hard for them to see, you know, there's obviously some Australian players in the team who their families are in Australia, so those players do have their partners and kids around the group, which sort of makes it even tougher for the guys who are missing their families. But he basically said, it's not an excuse to not play well. Not only that, it should be an excuse to lift your game and sort of play you know, to, to fight for your, you know, families back home. Like, this is why you're, you know, getting paid a good wage as a footy player to look after your families. Like, you know, lift, you know, do your job sort of thing. And um, he's going to be picking players based on moving forward, um, guys who want to have a dig and want to scrap and want to defend rather than any, um, you know, attacking capacity, which I thought was interesting. Like, even though everyone's doing it tough, he's sort of not taking any excuses. Um, Kenny, any thoughts either way on either of these two teams? Oh, I thought, yeah, the Storm, the Storm knew exactly what they were doing. They are just going through their, their, their motions and um, came out big winners. The Warriors didn't seem, it seemed like they had a, a game plan that was built on rage and enthusiasm. And as soon as that um, stopped with the Adokar try, they didn't really have any answers. CK, we all saw the, the footage of the of mm. post-match um, Cameron Smith and Craig Bellamy and some other Storm staffers talking to the Warriors playing group. Do you know, do you have any info on what went down? Yeah, I mean, this happened obviously after um, or separate to anything with the the press conferences, so I didn't find out about it until after um, we'd left. But you saw, so Bellamy, Cam Smith and Ryan Hoffman were all in there. Now, bearing in mind, Steve Kearney, the coach who was just sacked, was at 
Melbourne. He coached as an assistant under Bellamy and obviously Ken Smith and Ryan Hoffman are close to Steve Kearney from then. Ryan Hoffman played at the Warriors, so he knows a good chunk of that playing group that's still there. Um, and Cameron Smith plus Bellamy and Hoffman would have a, a relationship with Adam Blair, the Warriors lock used to be at the Storm with Torhu Harris, who was at Melbourne for a lot of years. Um, Blake Green, who was at Melbourne um, with all three of them. So they've, they've got a lot of good friends in that camp. There's a lot of Kiwis in the Storm side. You look at, um, you know, the Bromwich brothers and, and Brandon Smith, they would have played, you know, test matches with a, a number of the guys who are in that um, that New Zealand Warriors lineup. So any talk that this is in any way, um, condescending or, or rubbing it in, which I've seen mentioned in a couple of places is absolutely ridiculous. It was just about, you know, showing some appreciation for, you know, what we've said that the sacrifices the Warriors are making and, um, you know, we, we all appreciate what you're doing and, and stick in there sort of thing, which, I mean, to me was a, a classy gesture. I haven't heard anyone from the Warriors camp say that they um, resented it or, or didn't appreciate it. Oh, it sounds like it was a yeah, really, really classy move. Mm. Yeah, and I think it might help the fact too that Melbourne are pretty much doing the same as well. Like, you know, they go yeah, on and base yeah. themselves on the sunny coast. Whether they 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 said something to the Warriors in that regard too, like you know, we're following you guys. You guys inspire us just as much as we're yeah. trying to inspire you. So, yeah, um, yeah those clubs are have obviously got a great relationship there. Mm, for sure. Anyway, one more game to get through the Panthers and the Rabbitohs. I was at this one as well. I was um, a bit of a Cogra regular over the weekend. Um, <laughs> I thought 20 to 12 kind of flattered the um, the Rabbitohs. They were pretty poor, especially in the first half. I thought Penrith probably left a few points out there. Rabbitohs scored right on the bell to make it look closer than it probably was. Um, Leisha, your reflections on this one? Nathan Cleary's face. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he. I mean, to, to play as well as he did, you know, given given the week that he had, it was a pretty remarkable effort. And uh, yeah, I mean, that scoreline was flattering for South. I thought that was their worst performance in a long, long time. And um, you know, they've probably got deeper issues than maybe what what we all think um, in terms of their on-field performances. So. Um, yeah, but Penrith, their attack still got a fair bit of improvement left. Like, you know, I. I think they blew a couple of chances and um, you know, they're just like kind of scraping through. Like the minute that they do actually click um, and blow a team off the park, I think is when the shackles will just sort of open. But we've been over it with our Apicorosal and just that forward pack. That That's where the key for me is and that's allowing Nathan to just play his game. It's interesting about I think Cleary. I was in the um, the press box for this one and it's not the best sort of visibility ground. You can't really see the whatever big screen there is on the other side of the hill, you can't really see from the press box. And the small press box is there's a big column in the middle of it. And I couldn't see the TV either from the corner I was sitting in. I didn't even find out until half time that there was anything wrong with Cleary's face. I'm like, what's everyone talking about? I could see people talking about it on Twitter and then the sports years in and Freddie mentioned he was in hospital. Like, what is going on? Like the Panthers media manager wasn't in the press box. I'm sort of messaging work going can someone please fill me in i'm at the ground i've got no idea there's anything wrong with him but um yeah the media manager came back and told us he'd been in hospital with cellulitis which is a bacterial infection of the skin and um was potentially in doubt and then obviously you know dragged himself from hospital to the ground and then put in a stunning man of the match performance um kenny what did you make of it all well he also copped a high shot off the first tackle didn't he um and i think that puffed his his nose up and puffed his forehead up a bit as well so on top of his hospital trauma he had um yeah he got a bit bit of a a 
fat puffy eyes as well. Yeah, I thought like the difference was Cleary. He he was a he just had an excellent game outside of his um, goal kicking because that was off. I think he missed all all of his attempts. Um, he missed the three odd. conversions and then he got a penalty goal, I think, or something like yeah, that. Penalty, penalty goals don't count. We well, got a conversion um, late. Oh, did he? Okay. So, off, off, um, and I think like his the last that last try that he scored that like individual effort probably just was just like the icing on the cake for um, the performance that he he'd put on. It was yeah, it was really, really good. Souths, um, yeah, Alicia made a really good point. I'm not sure, I'm not really sure what's going on, but it does seem to run a bit deeper than you know players having a few off. Um, off nights. Um, there's just with the talent that's in the team, they should be doing a lot better. Um, and you're right, the scoreline probably flatters South because Penrith, Penrith definitely um, bombed a couple of tries. I think um, it's just it's interesting. But when you've got a coach like Wayne Bennett in charge, I guess it's never really panic stations. He's seen it all before. He knows what to do. He knows how to get the best out of his players, and he has some excellent players at his disposal. So uh, I guess we'll see. Um, a shortened a shortened competition probably doesn't give him uh, a, a, a runway that is long enough that you'd want to you know um to to get get a team back on track yeah and a lot of focus on the trail the last few weeks for for good reasons because been playing so outstandingly well but um a real off night for him a bunch of handling errors and then Sinbind at the end was a, a bit of a, a downturn for him but he certainly uh, wasn't the only player who could have performed better on the night i was um left scratching my head at Wayne Bennett's uh, press conference afterwards. We got a few <laughs> questions in and he's snapping one word answers and then had enough and marched out. It was a bit of classic <laughs> Wayne there for us. I was going to ask journeys. him how, how it went, how, how it was, the whole, what was it, 80 seconds worth? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, 78 seconds from go to woe. Now, I won't, I'm not going to throw any other journos under the bus, but the questions potentially could have been handled a little bit better if you wanted to try and get something positive out of Wayne. But yeah, he was not in any sort of mood to answer any sort of questions. <laughs> it's one of it's just sort of that awkward, uncomfortable. Um, do we even bother trying to ask any more questions? And and it was all over very quickly. <laughs> I think it doesn't help with the week that that he had. You know, earlier trying to defend you know what he was doing for his future i think it all it's all a flow on effect for sure mm. you know add, add a loss to that and a, and a pretty mm. miserable one at that and uh yeah it didn't really surprise me with his response no there's a bit classic way though if his team's playing bad he'd rather people are talking about him than talking about his players so that's why his players always love him incorrect um, anyway, that's all eight games. Some uh, some topsy turvy results. Ladder looks a little bit different to uh, how probably we thought it would look. Um, but thank you both very much for joining us, and, and thanks for everyone for listening on a, um, to another Sunday session. We'll be back this time next week. Have a good week. See ya.